Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Jordan, we are doing well in the heart of training camp. I know you have been hard at work down there in Irvine, and uh, we're closing in. There's actually a preseason game this week, not not for the Rams, of course, but uh, we're actually going to be able to watch football, so... What do you think, Jordan? You've been putting in the long, warm days down there in Irvine. I, I know your hydration system is is really great uh, on the field. People have been – I even saw a picture of you walking the sidelines. You're like a celebrity down there at UC Irvine. So how have you been enjoying things? And, and what was your first uh, official week of, of Rams training camp like? I only wish I would have worn a more flattering shirt that day, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. Uh, I have been uh, equally praised for my what I call a water fanny. Um, it's a, basically a camelback pack, but it's a fanny pack. And I don't like to hold things because I like to take notes. And I hold a roster and I take notes. So I don't like to hold other things in my hand at that time. And so I keep my water in there in a little like camelback bladder. I've gotten some interesting questions about it because it just looks like a tube coming out of my body, basically. <laughs> so, so uh, been trying to, to quell those rumors. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I am not a robot, nor am I some sort of, I don't have some, any sort of illness. Thank you for those who are concerned. Um, we got those questions too. But it's been great. I've been equally praised for my hydration system as I was roasted for my tall forehead baseball cap that I wore the first couple days of camp. Um, I was roasted by not only f- people who I know and like, but also by people I've never met right. <laughs> and, and also by players and coaches. So one of them asked me, so do you wear that when you work for the FBI? So at that point, I knew it was time to throw the hat in the trash. So going naked forehead here. And uh, it's been great, Rich. I, I just I hope you guys can hear it in my voice. I just I love this time of year. I'm so happy to be back. Um, it is awesome out there. I cannot believe how gorgeous that facility is at UC Irvine. Yeah. Um, I'm a big, big grass nerd. Oh, that sounds bad, doesn't it, Rich? <laughs> I'm a big <laughs> playing surface nerd. <laughs> so um, big playing surface nerd. Hydration right. and playing surfaces. That's my MO. That turf, it, I mean, it's natural grass. It is the most gorgeous playing surface. Uh, I talked with Reggie Scott earlier this week. You guys can look out for a piece on that coming soon. Just about how important it is that they start training camp on natural grass like that for their joints, um, body longevity. Um, they have had a couple injuries, which we will again get to, but knock on wood so far, uh, the the soft tissue, muscles and things like that, uh, these guys have been onboarding and onloading. So it's been, it's been really great out there so far. I have just loved it. I could wax on in a very corny fashion for probably an hour, but we will not do that to you guys, dear listeners. Uh, but Rich, yeah, it's been great. I can feel back to normal again, you know? Yeah, it, it really is a nice setup down there. And it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, Jordan, I know that now that you've been here for a, a year, <laughs> you can get, get a sense of like uh, how far away that is from from where the Rams usually practice and and train. And it's, it's such a great outreach to all those fans down there, obviously, with the Rams playing in Orange County for so many years, 15, 14 years. Um, and it, it's just a great opportunity to re-engage with, with that community down there in Orange County and, and just such a beautiful setup down there. I know the players, the first couple of years, I think it was 2016 and 2017, they actually stayed in the dorms there. That was not so great. I, oh, that didn't go over all that well. Uh, so now they have kind of pivoted a little bit to staying in the hotel that, that's not too far away and they kind of commute 
to practice at UC Irvine. So I have a feeling that went over a little bit better than than staying in the uh, staying in the dorms. Not exactly, uh, especially with some of the heat that goes on down there. But uh, Jordan, you've you've dove in right away uh, to, to the surprise of nobody with with some real in-depth uh, uh, reports. I loved the piece you wrote just a couple days ago about the red zone period that uh, people can check out on The Athletic, the app and, and the website. Right now, you can get a great deal. I think we're still in our 50% off uh, uh, period, so people can can jump in and, and see all Jordan's coverage. But Jordan, let, let's kind of take a spin through the uh, through the Rams and what, uh, what, what grabbed you from, from that first week or, or maybe even more importantly, what do you, what do you look looking forward to here as, as we get into to the second week. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, and thanks for, for plugging the, the great discount there, Rich. You know I love a great discount. And I, I'm really excited about this this past week, and I think it bodes well for what's to come this week. So the Rams were supposed to be in pads last week, or they thought they were supposed to be in pads last week. I felt pretty bad for all the football ops people. You know, they have some really great people working that operations crew um, led by Sophie Harlan. And they were ready to go. Reggie Scott was ready to go. The guys deloaded, which means they did a jog through on Friday because everybody thought, you know, pads were on the schedule. Everybody thought, um, you know, whoever made the schedule, that was that was definitely the day it would be Saturday. But as it turns out, the CBA says players have to on board for five days. Then mm. they can be in pads, not be in pads on day five. Uh, so I think that was what the miscommunication was there by whoever made that schedule. So it, it was, it, it, you know, the guys were like kind of bummed, <laughs> obviously. I would imagine there were some, there was some frustration uh, amid the coaching staff. Of course, you know, Sean McVay like said it was his fault, but I don't know that it's his job to make the schedule, but, um, and, and obviously, you know, that's just a, you know, miscommunication. And so that was an interesting switch because now I'm interested in how they'll come back from Monday's practice. We're recording this before Monday's practice, just so everyone knows they should be in pads on Tuesday. They, you can't ever come off a day off and then be in pads. It's just not healthy for the body. You yeah. have to at least onload for one day. So I'm interested to see what, what kind of work they'll do Monday because they put in a deload day where they, they didn't need one. So to me, my worry is, did you waste a day? I mean, it's not a wasted day, obviously, because they installed. Right. But in terms of the, the sports science of the onboarding process, did you waste a day because, you know, of, the, of that of that miscommunication. So that's what I'm kind of interested to see. And I'll just get all the negative stuff out now because <laughs> we started <laughs> we started with the negative. So I'll just get the negative stuff. Also, obviously, um, th- today is the day that Robert Rochelle is supposed to have wrist surgery. He was going for the ball on a punch out drill. It was just a freak thing. Hurt his wrist, um, needs surgery. Really had had a really great camp to that point. You know, he was getting a lot of praise from teammates. He made a couple plays on the ball in individuals and in seven on sevens. And remember, and I keep reiterating this because I think people get excited when they see some guys ripping in against like Matthew Stafford, for example. For most of the time during these first few days, the Rams have been playing the second team offense versus the first team defense. And that's intentional because it it's all a part of the onloading process. If you play ones against ones, it's going to be crazy competitive right away. And not only will guys maybe not get the mental reps that they need because they're going, they're just trying to, you know, play and, and be physical and, and all that. It also is dangerous on the body. So this was very intentional that they were doing that. Robert, So Robert Rochelle is getting time against Matthew Stafford, basically. He made the most of it. And so his timeline is still unknown. I didn't get the sense that it's going to be a super long leave of absence for him. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I know that's the most popular phrase ever, but I'm not a doctor. But I would say we, w- we will still see him um, early in the season. So, I mean, yeah. if, if he's called upon, you know, cause he's, he's a depth guy right now, but he made some, he made some good plays. Bobby Brown also getting surgery, had a UCL injury also on a punch out sort of situation. And that's one of those things. It's just a, it's just a freak thing, guys. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, your, your hands got to be in a total fist when you do that. Maybe your thumb got a little loose or you hit something at the wrong angle, total freak thing. And he'll be back within, you know, he'll be back at least doing walk through and jog through within the week. So he'll, he'll be all right. 
And then Jacob Harris is already working back into install and um, individual reps and jog through stuff. You know, a source had told me last week that he had a core injury in the spring, had a procedure to repair that. And we've got some interesting notes on him that we'll get to a little bit later. But that's all the negative stuff, Rich. <laughs> got it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, if, if you want to look for a positive within the negatives, uh, the one thing I, I don't think we saw, or at least it hasn't come out yet, is you didn't see that run of those soft tissue injuries that you that you might see early in training camp. And I know how much time Reggie Scott puts into that and how much thought the coaches put into how they ramp these guys up. Uh, usually that's that's the warning or the, the red flag in the first few practices. You can see, oh, that guy's out with a hamstring, that guy's out with a groin or whatever it may be. And uh, like you said, these were kind of freak things. You, they could happen at any time. It has nothing to do with conditioning or, or the type of drills that they were in. It's not like they were getting pushed too hard or anything like that. Uh, just literally freak kind of stuff. But we, we didn't see that, right, Jordan? We didn't see that run of like, oh, this guy's going to have to be watched over the next uh, couple weeks because he's got a tender you know, so-and-so like it's knock on wood for the Rams. It seems like they were able to avoid a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Knock on wood because anything can happen as we know. Um, so just, we're not jinxing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If it happens today, uh, it's, it's, it's not our, uh, it's not our fault. But playing on that natural grass is also a huge thing too. Uh, Reggie was going over some of the numbers with me and I, I know they can't do natural grass at SoFi because two teams are sharing that field. So I know that that would just, it would take too much of a beating from having two teams on it. So basically 16 weeks of, of pressure instead of eight. And I, I think though that that would probably be the preference if, if people, you know, certain people in the building like had their choice, it'd probably be the preference. Right. But he was going over the numbers with me and it was like, uh, especially during this time, you know, a 40% chance of increased soft tissue injury, that is huge. That's major, especially when you're thinking about how many reps these guys are taking, particularly as things get a little bit more heated. And and it's like, so they, I mean, if you guys haven't had a chance to come out to Irvine yet, I mean, I would encourage it because it's just, I mean, if you're a little bit of a a dork like, like I am, just to see it, I mean, it's just, they put a lot, and shout out to the groundskeepers at Irvine, because they put a lot of time into that. That takes months of prep to get a surface like that. Yeah. So um, these guys are like, you know, there's like these giant flocks of crows. They're called murders. <laughs> murders of crows, which you know I love. <laughs> murders of crows that fly over and try to eat all the seed. And there's these guys that stand stand and like resod and reseed every single night. And I'm there late because I'm filing stories. And there's these guys that come out there and they will literally like be on these little tractor things and I'll like chase the crows away so that they can resell. I'm like, this is such dedication. It's very cool. And I want to shout them out here. <laughs> and if there's it's anything just... you love, Jordan, it's people who keep birds away from things. Yes. So, yeah, I appreciate pretty... These are giant freaking crows, Rich. <laughs> like they're huge. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, like this is my nightmare. Right. And and they're sitting there and they're fighting the good fight and keeping that playing surface. So I want to give them a shout out here. Nobody works harder than a grounds crew or equipment people or football ops people. So I want to this. This is what we've done. We've given everyone a shout out here in this first part of this podcast <laughs> because I'm just feeling so like uh, holly jolly, golly, good, full of good feelings. So, yeah. And what people, maybe we need to, a lot of people I know listening are probably from Southern California or maybe even already been to Irvine to watch one of these practices. But uh, but that, that area that you're dealing with, that that is not usually a football field. You see Irvine does not even have a football team. Uh, so that that area that the Rams are using, I believe, is usually like practice, extra practice fields for their soccer teams, their men's and women's uh, soccer teams. But it's not something that is maintained like an NFL playing surface year round. That's something that, that they maintain for the Rams. So I agree, Jordan, they do a tremendous job when you think about that for, you you know, 11 months out of the year, basically, that's just kind of a grass field that that soccer players kind of kick around on. And and they really do a great job to transform that or to uh, maintain that so that uh, it's it's a very high standard for, for NFL players. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I think now that we're in the, the zone of positive thinking, I think 
it's yes. been cool for players to get out there and feel that. And you could just tell it's not just that, too. It's also the crowd. And that's one of the the notable things that um, I've taken away from this first week is, sure, guys were onboarding. There was one really competitive period, um, and that was the red zone period on Saturday, yeah. where finally first team got to go against first team. And it was just the coolest. I mean – I wrote a like sort of play by play what I saw, what I felt, what I heard story over at the athletic. And um, I, I would urge you guys, if you just want to like skip your morning coffee and get a jolt, that's the one to read <laughs> because it was one of the coolest. I have not had that much fun at a practice in a really long time. Granted, you know, <clears throat> I've covered some fun practices and especially training camp. It gets to be such a blast sometimes when things get really competitive like that. But in terms of the prize fight between Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey, yeah. just the calculus that was being done on both sides. And it kind of started early in the day on Saturday. It started early because Jalen that week, Matthew Stafford had unfurled two just really, really pretty deep throws to Deshaun Jackson. And at one time, the first one, Deshaun Jackson was like in his own time zone, which was awesome to see, although not awesome for the defense because there's a little bit of a, of a bust. Right. And and caught a caught a long pass. And this was in um, like seven on sevens or 11 on 11s. I don't remember which one. And then the second one was, uh, you know, in individuals, it was downfield. And um, Taylor Rapp was right with them, but it just was a perfect Perfect pass, perfect throw. Deshaun Jackson maybe had a step, two steps. Um, Taylor Rapp is not slow. Uh, he actually looks lighter, faster this year. So mm. it was a really nice throw and catch. Well, you could see, and I kind of kept my eye on this during individuals, you could see that Jalen Ramsey was sort of motioning to coaches. Um, Deshaun was motioning to coaches. He ran a little out, uh, out route real quick uh, with Jalen on him and they both came back and were like shaking their heads and motioning. Like it kind of seemed to me and I'm not going to put words in their mouth, but it kind of seemed to me that they were like, let's get one going downfield. Come on, let's get one. Call it, call it up. And so then this was what everyone wanted to see. You know, they lined up across from each other. Jalen went step for step with Deshaun Jackson Mm -hmm. and threw his arm into the catch window at the exact right moment and knocked the ball away. And it was just so thrilling. And that kind of set the tone for what the day was going to be. So that sort of started everything. And then they get into the red zone period. And this is sort of a, a scripted period in terms of the down and distance. So they're practicing specific plays install and um, they're practicing specific schemes and and calls. However, you know, the defense still has to adjust and read, right? Jalen, it kind of seemed like he almost like baited Matthew into the throw um, to Cooper (laughs) Cup because he wasn't draped over Cooper. Cooper gets some some nice separation and Jalen knows that. So he wasn't like totally draped over Cooper, but the second he saw Matthew's eyes sort of flick the other way and he and get to Cooper in his progression, he jumped the route and then picked off and took it to the house, lateral to Aaron Donald at the very end. The crowd went nuts. Of course, it's in the end zone near all the fans. Everyone's losing their minds. The bleachers are starting to empty because everyone's crowding around the fence. It's just phenomenal, right? Okay, but then <laughs> yeah. Matthew Stafford did something then that – it just it was unique, and I think it's a rare uh, quarterback who does this sort of thing, internalizes, and then kind of goes into I think the kids call it sicko mode <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and um, he, you could tell he was not he was not going to let that stand. Didn't do any yelling, wasn't trash talking, anything like that. Uh, but you could tell he was not going to let that stand because then he fires a dart. Uh, to Cooper Cup in the opposite corner of the end zone. And and this is really important. So he does that once. Then he sets it up again, and he sidearms it to Cooper the next time, right? And so he's he's targeting Cooper in nearly the exact same spot, and his eyes are staring Cooper down right in that spot, right? Mm -hmm. So he this is the setup here, okay? The last play, he looks exactly at that spot where he had set Cooper up the last two passes, and he's staring that spot down and instead throws a no-look pass to Daryl Henderson over right. the middle for a touchdown. And that's really important. The setup 
I mean, the no look pass is cool as shit, Rich. That's all I'm going to say. Like right. I said a word. I said a word when I saw that. I've never seen one of those in person at field level. Yeah. Like I said a word. It's I'll admit it. It's fine. I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll go. You know. I'll admit it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mom and dad. Like <laughs> I'm standing there on the sideline and I'm just like, wow. And right. uh, and you know, it just was. It was cool. There's no other thing. There's no way to describe it. It was just freaking cool okay but then i started i was like man he really set that up this is what a smart offense does yeah it doesn't just run plays for the sake of running plays it connects the plays together the quarterback connects the reads and the progressions together right. he connects certain things he has he has a choice on those plays who he can throw to but he can connect things together in a certain way where it's it's a bait and switch basically, right. for the right. defense. And that's what really good quarterbacks do. That's what smart teams do. And I think that that was something that was super notable to me. And the fact that it was just this very clear, like Jalen's not always the guy in coverage against, you know, wherever Matthew's throwing it. But you could just feel that energy. It was like, well, I'm not going to let you outdo me. Well, I'm not going to let you outdo me. And this, this right. like punch for punch prize fight of these great players, just that energy. It was like, you're in this vortex and you're just sitting there like, I can't believe I get to watch this. <laughs> and it, it was, it was very, very cool. And, um, also the fact that they ended practice on a Robert Woods, you know, catch and run for a touchdown in the move the ball period, which means it's kind of a hurry up period that also sort of ended practice a couple minutes early because it was a great play, great throw, great catch. Right. And so Robert, I was talking to Robert Woods afterward and he's like, yeah, the defense is going to come back and, and have a taste in their mouths. Like when we put pads <laughs> on, it's it's on because that's that's what happens when it's competitive yeah. like this. And yeah. that's something that, you know, at the, on the one hand, yeah, they have to encourage caution and keeping guys healthy and being safe and everything. But this is the time when you get better. This is the time that you, the only time that you have before, you know, the the craziness of the season happens. This is a time when you get better. And I think that that is just um, really been fun to watch so far, even when it's not technically even still, quote unquote, real. Um, right. It's still it, it feels like you can see something beginning to take shape. Yeah. And you'll see it ramped up even more. I mean, obviously, again, we're recording here on Monday and, and at the end of the week, you're going to have that first joint practice with the with the Cowboys coming up in, in, in Oxnard. So that'll even elevate it to a, a whole other level. But yeah, Jordan, I love, love hearing that enthusiasm, you know, especially about the Matthew Stafford things. And and look, I'll, I'll admit it, you know, over the last couple of years here, I, I think I probably you know, defended Jared Goff in, in, in certain areas. And I, I, I think I would stand behind those, those areas, but you can see what the Rams are thinking here. And you can certainly see what Sean McVay is thinking here and bringing in somebody um, like Matthew Stafford, because it's, it's really an extension. It's, it's like, if Sean was the quarterback, this is the kind of stuff that would be going on. Uh, you know, he, he wants to win every drill. I don't know drill. if he can sidearm it, man. I don't no, know. I, 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 give, yeah. give him a challenge. He might, he might try, but, but you know, Jordan, like you've been yeah. around, you're, around last year and I saw it for years you could tell like it it would be like you wouldn't even need to watch the practice. You could just tell if Sean McVay came in by his body language and the way he was answering his questions, you could tell whether the offense was good at practice or not. And you every time. And and I think Matthew Stafford may be a little bit of an extension of that where he's just so competitive with that sort of thing and just wanting to get better and wanting the offense to get better. One thing I'll be really curious about Jordan is you just you you're such a great breakdown there of you know talking about the way that Matthew Stafford can set things up and the progression and and how that goes. And and that was one criticism of Jared Goff. And I think it was a fair criticism of him is people said, oh, well, he's just got Sean McVay in his ear. He's, you know, what, what Sean tells him to do, that's what he does. And but but that was the way Sean set it up. Like that wasn't a, it wasn't a Jared Goff situation where he was he was going to Sean and saying, hey, Sean, I need you to tell me in my ear what to do all the time. Uh, that was, you know, that was Sean McVay seeing things from the sidelines and, and you know, getting in Jared's ear and, and you know, giving him tips or whatever it was. I'll be fascinated to see how that kind of evolves now with with Matthew Stafford, because I, I think that 
whether you want to call it trust, I, maybe that's too strong of a word, but but I, I think Sean probably, you know, he and Matthew probably see the game in, in a more similar way uh, to where, you know, certainly Matthew's going to have a little bit more of that freedom probably uh, to do things or to have that conversation with Sean to talk about what's going on on the field. So yeah. it's probably not something that we can tell right now, but but I'll be fascinated when we when we get to some of those whether it's joint practices or games or whatever, to, to see how that evolves. Because it's certainly, from everything you're talking about here, Jordan, sounds like it's it's a little bit of a different level maybe than the, the Rams have been at in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think one thing, as you were talking, it just came into my mind, and I have to write it down, Rich, because I think it'll make for a good study this season. Yeah. You know, last year we heard a lot from Sean when I, you know, someone would be like, why did you run a screen on third and whatever? Or yes. like, why, why was it a run play on third and whatever? Or things like that. And he kind of would like allude to the fact that it was a wasted play almost. Right. Not not in the sense that like, you know, it's a waste of time, but a wasted play because the setup in the calls didn't work for whatever reason. And the calls are designed that way. They're, they're designed to set each other up. There's certain things that you do at the beginning of a game that set up the end of the game, things like that. Um, I always hearken back to one of my favorite moments of all time covering the Panthers when Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey, they were running this wheel route to Christian uh, a bunch of different times and they disguised the look. And, uh, you know, Clay Matthews called out, it's that wheel route, it's that wheel route. And Cam says, oh, you've been watching film, huh? Watch this. And Christian does not run a wheel. He runs an out and gets a touchdown anyway because they're covering the wheel. That stuff, that's the kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's that. But that's the that's the freaking juice, man. Like that stuff will yeah. – that stuff fires up a team, offense, defense, special teams. And so to me, I, I'm looking at – and I think it, it may, might be an interesting question for McVay that I'll try to remember to sort of figure out how to not sound like an idiot when I'm asking. Like – to me, when you can have setups like that, you eliminate wasted plays. Yeah. You, I'm not saying they're not going to run screens on third down. I don't think we will ever be free of those, unfortunately. But like, <laughs> you, you sort of eliminate wasted plays when you can use other plays to set up certain things. And that's very much what I saw in that red zone period. And and that's just what, you know, that's what good teams do. And so to me, that will be an interesting study is um, not just – you know, Matthew and his arm and he can throw and he does the no look and the sidearm and, and like he can move his pocket around. And, and the the other thing, too, is and I didn't mention this it's in the column, but like it was a bad he bobbled the snap. It was like some I couldn't tell if it was the center or the quarterback, but the snap was bobbled on that first Cooper Cup touchdown mm -hmm. and he reset his pocket and he reset the coverage. And then he moved away. He like flushed a little bit in sort of a not even not like really a boot movement at all, but like he did flush a little bit mm -hmm. and he threw while he was on the run. And that was, you know, that was impressive. That was something where it's like uh, someone in my Twitter uh, said it really, really well. Uh, pace, performance after critical error. In training camp, sometimes when that happens, you have to blow the play dead and start over or someone's got to run laps or do up downs or whatever. But in this case, you let the play go and you see what happens afterward. And I think that in that process, not only do you um, figure out how you operate after mistakes, but you also figure out how you can eliminate sort of those wasted plays, not right. just wasted reps, but also when it comes to the game, like wasted plays in general. So I, th I think that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I think so too. It'll be the the, the flow of that offense because we talked about it a lot last year too. Just how it just seemed disjointed at times, and it, it was hard to put it, kind of your finger on that exactly what was going on. Was it play calling? Was it execution? Was it a little bit of both? But it just didn't seem like there was really a whole, you know, kind of a cohesive. Uh, I don't want to say plan because I'm sure there was a plan, but it just when it when it played out on the field, it didn't look like it didn't look cohesive. And and I I feel like they've they've taken some strides in that area, and, and I think Matthew. Stafford will be uh, a, a huge part of that. So just really interested to see, you know, how that looks when, when we actually get to, to games uh, that count. Jordan, so much to cover here, but but one thing I, I wanted to hit on because you, an, an intrepid reporter that that you are, you you noticed very early on uh, that the green dot on defense was was oh my being God, worn. Rich. You should uh, have yes. seen me. You should have seen me scuttling around the field like a freaking ant. I was just like, <laughs> I got fourteen thousand steps in that day because I was just, I was literally just creeping on Jordan Fuller. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I was just trying. Right. Sorry, Jordan. I don't mean I don't mean that in a weird way. I just was like, <laughs> I literally was like, I caught the flash of it. And I was like, oh, my God, follow this guy everywhere because I need to know because right. it's hard to see. It's tiny. And and I was yeah. literally just like lurking around the field, just like trying to see. I think that was the day when someone, a fan, got uh, got a picture of me and I looked like really grumpy and really serious. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just trying to see. <laughs> I'm sorry. Green, green dot green patrol. Green dot patrol. Yes. Yes. Well, you were on that right away. And uh, you, you, you did cover this in, in, a, in a story also during the week. If anybody missed it, you could definitely go uh, check it out. But uh, I, I think, Jordan, you know, we talked about this throughout the offseason, but you were really right on track with this sort of thing because we, we didn't know and, and we still don't know, by the way, I should put it out there. It's it's not like it's finalized or that it's uh, official that, that he's going to be the defensive uh, signal caller, Jordan, Jordan Fuller, but, but he certainly did start camp that way. And it makes sense, right? And I, you went through this in, in your story, but we talked about it having to be somebody who was going to be on the field full time. And we don't know exactly what's going to be going on at inside linebacker. That's, that's another position where you usually see somebody potentially wearing the green dot. But there's a lot of questions still there. Well, who's going to play those positions? What percentage of the of the plays are they going to be on the field for? So we don't know what's going on there. But but Jordan, what was it about Jordan Fuller? I know you talked to Aaron Donald. You talked to coaches. Um, w- independent of whatever's going on at linebacker, like what is it about him that, that made them think he's ready for this? Because he hasn't played a lot of games. And, and they are kind of... You know, I don't want to say they're taking a chance, but they're they're betting. They're betting that that he's going to be ready for this sort of thing. But so, what is it about him that you think made them look and say, "Hey, I think we can we can give this a shot, and we we, we think he can pull this off." Well, he's brilliant. First of all, I mean, um, the way that he sees the field, I would say he sees it in like sort of an all twenty two way, which is really rare. I think for someone maybe a little bit less rare for safeties, which is, again, why, I mean, it's really smart, in my opinion. And I think you see very slowly the other teams sort of catch on to this. But in my opinion, it is extremely smart to have a safety be the one calling that and and getting everyone aligned because he is usually behind everybody on the defense. And he is aligned uh, where he can see the entire field, essentially. Traditionally, and I pointed this out in my article, traditionally it's been a middle linebacker, particularly if you're in a 4-3 defense. And I think, you know, even if they weren't in a 4-3, you have Luke Keekley call the signals no matter what. Like, hell, have him coach the team. Like, Luke Keekley was the signal caller in Carolina, and it was like a proud tradition of middle linebackers who call signals and, and all of that. But this is a this is yeah. a little bit of a shift philosophically, and the Rams have kind of been one of the teams on the forefront of this, where you use a safety because schematically, you first of all, you're you're not just in your base the entire time. You're in a ton of sub packages. In fact, they mostly are in their sub packages. Um, if you're talking about per- snap percentages and things like that, and Jordan Fuller is a really brilliant football savvy player and he knows the language of the defense. He picked it up well enough to start his rookie season and then to play well his rookie season. And he also has some, you know, that command, that leadership because he stepped up so well during his rookie year and because everybody likes him. Everyone just really likes him. They just get, he just, they get along with him. And I think he, he's not really a loud guy. It was funny, you know, his mom is extremely famous (laughs) and she is extremely awesome. And she is a a professional singer and she tours with like Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones. And she toured with Tina Turner. And, and like, so he was, I was joking with him and it's in the story about how he's going to need like hot tea and honey for his vocal cords um, because he's yelling more. Um, And so to me, that's, that's super fascinating. I also get why Sean McVay wouldn't necessarily totally commit to it uh, because obviously Jordan will not be playing in the preseason. So you yeah. you also have to try that green dot out with a couple of linebackers. Um, you have to try it out with guys who uh, will be playing more in that preseason and, and getting sort of onboarded in that way. And you have to make sure that Jordan, you have to make absolutely sure that Jordan can be your guy, um, which my gut tells me that he will be because I just think his right. learning curve um, you know, I don't really think he has a ceiling as a player and just a phenomenal 
just trajectory so far, I think. I mean, really kind of incredible when you think about it, especially when you factor in the Rams did not get an in-person install for their defense last year. It was all virtual. And I wrote about this at length when I featured Jordan last year. It, It kind of blows the mind sometimes. You just sit there and you're like, I don't even, I probably couldn't even take a math test in two weeks after learning, you know, about the quadratic equation. Like I probably couldn't. I probably couldn't pass yeah. it, you know, imagine no. like just learning a new language. And so to me, it's, it's fascinating um, to watch his, his path and his trajectory. The players really like him. You know, I ke- I keep catching these little moments um, sort of like off to the side when something good will happen and, and t- his teammates will shout him out. And like Cooper cup says he's been doing like some, r- some freaky things in terms of the reads he's making and, and the plays that he could make if they were able to have contact Sean McVay thought there was a coverage bust on a certain play and then came back the next day and corrected himself because Jordan Fuller corrected him. Hmm. I mean, my God, (laughs) you know, like because he's like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe ask Jordan about that because I don't know if it really was a coverage bust. Like the dude is, is, I think, super gifted. Um, The little moments I enjoy watching are when he interacts with teammates because you could just tell he fits in so well with them. And he's got the respect of everyone from the stars like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald to, you know, guys who are, you know, maybe lesser known names, Charles Burgess, David Long. Um, You see after he makes a good play, someone will shout him out and he'll do a little air guitar solo. And like, it's just cool. It's just fun, fun stuff like that, that you see these guys really clicking. Um, You know, obviously still some big questions in the secondary, but having that decided and having Jordan Fuller as your every down safety like he was last year, I think is super important. And that, again, is another reason why he has the dot is because he is not coming off the field. And when you look at guys like Terrell Burgess, who I think could probably do it, too, um, if he got a little bit more experience. Or even when you look at, you know, some of the some of the linebackers, there's usually one linebacker who stays on the field for most of the game. Last year, when he was healthy, it was Micah Kaiser. Then he got hurt. And then that player, Troy Reader. <laughs> yes. I want to talk, say that five times fast. And then, you know, then they they rotate in that maybe lighter, faster, a little bit more horizontally mobile linebacker in as a tandem, in and out, depending on what they're doing with their defensive backs. And we know that's how their sub packages work, and they're usually in their sub packages. So it's kind of, you know, there's may, there's maybe two players in the back half that are on the field the entire time. One of them is Jordan Fuller. Another one is a linebacker yet to be d- determined. So that's another reason why he gets it. Not only was he ready for it, but schematically, it makes the most sense. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it just works out that way. I mean, you, you never you didn't plan it that way. Uh, you, you No idea a year ago, you know, you draft Jordan Fuller in the sixth round. You don't know that he's going to be ready to, to take over that job to begin with. You don't know whether he's going to have the voice, the experience, the, the smarts uh, to pull something like that off. You don't know what's going to happen at linebacker. So, you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen over the next uh, month here. Things could change or yeah, somebody could could uh, emerge and, and be a better option. But uh, it certainly looks like they've got a strong option at this point in Jordan Fuller. Uh, Jordan, I, I think it's it's re-upping at some point uh, that, that great feature that you did last uh, October uh, about Jordan Fuller and and you know how the Rams drafted him and and what they what they viewed what they saw during that process and and what led them uh, to him because my goodness uh, he's going to be a pivotal player uh, through throughout the season in in so many different ways but uh, he was uh, Jordan Fuller along with Terrell Burgess who you mentioned uh, two of the the first names that were included in your in your column that uh, that just got published uh, this morning Monday morning about. Uh, risers and fallers. Great, great idea, Jordan. Love the love the uh, the idea that you're going to follow throughout training camp here, throughout the preseason, of uh, players who are kind of on the rise, maybe, and those who maybe have a, a little bit of concern. And uh, so you you talked a lot about Jordan Fuller, about Trail Burgess, uh, but but I think uh, something that a lot of people are going to be interested in here is the running backs. And we spent a lot of time talking about them last week, kind of what the Rams might do in the absence of Cam Akers, who unfortunately, as we know, lost for the season because of his torn Achilles. Um, so what did you see over the first week? Looks like Daryl Henderson, as promised by Sean McVay, or at least as strongly hinted, 
kind of takes over those lead back responsibilities. This is just training camp, obviously, so they're not uh, playing in games. And Sean McVay has told us very directly that Daryl Henderson will not be appearing in any preseason games. So we know what to expect there. But how do you see things kind of developing behind uh, Daryl Henderson? Because that's going to be a very important thing to watch throughout training camp, throughout preseason? Are we getting any early hints uh, about uh, how that looks and and about who might be emerging there? Yeah, and you know what? I might not even say, I mean, behind is probably still a good word for it because Daryl Henderson will absolutely take the lead carry share. But I also think that it will be uh, complementary football in this regard. Like, I'm not going to say committee because that implies an equal carry share, but I – I definitely think that they will be utilizing multiple running backs per game because, and as we, you know, I wrote this in my in my piece, like Sean McVay has all but screamed this into all of our faces. Like, you know, it's written it on a billboard. Like they love Daryl Henderson. He is super talented, but they don't know how available he can be consistently because of the injury history and because he has not taken a full carry share since he was in high school. So this is the big question and you won't know because you will not be playing him in the preseason. Your best bet is to keep him as healthy as possible, as physically ready as possible, and then get to the season and see how it goes from there. That's, that's really what their option is here. And so I've been noticing a lot more than I normally would see, a lot more of uh, Xavier Jones and Jake Funk repping in with the first team, much more than you would normally see. And that is because it's not because Daryl is taking less of a workload. I asked Sean this directly, and he said, no, Daryl's taking a full practice workload. Okay, so we know that. And it's not that he's taking less. It's that the other guys are getting more because they are going to, in my assumption and just sort of my like kind of pulling the piece putting the pieces together they are going to be repping in earlier than maybe they would have otherwise expected in their career because not only are they going to be playing in the preseason but also they are going to be helping to complement the carry share that they determined for Daryl Henderson and this is kind of like when we talk about Terrell Lewis and how with that knee, right. with that knee issue. By the way, Trell Lewis looks healthy, so um, it's been great so far to see him out there and, and getting into it. So um, that's that's been good. But y- there's also that knowledge that you're going to, in terms of Daryl, like you you might have to figure out what the most efficient number is for him in order to maximize his talent and his ability while also sustaining his availability. And that's really the equation they're working to find out. Thomas Brown is the lead on that. And so that also means, you know, let's say it's maybe 16 carries a game is like the magic number, quote unquote, maybe um, like four targets, five targets per game. That's like the magic number. Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to figure out who and how your other backs can rotate in to complement that. So it's not really a committee, but it's like these guys have to be ready and their number probably will be called. Um, even in the regular season, their number will be called. And so I think that that's that's something that is is notable to me. And so it's like it doesn't take away. And I think that's where I, I've kind of tried to have conversations with people about this on, on Twitter. It's like it doesn't take away from what from what Daryl Henderson is able to do. Like, yes, he is still the lead back. But if you're going to maximize and smartly maximize his his availability, then you also have to figure out that equation for him plus the other backs who are sort of working into the system as well. So definitely an interesting puzzle that the Rams have to figure out and um, certainly one that they're putting their efforts in right now. So I, I, def- I do think that that's what we're going to be seeing more of moving forward. And, I, and you're going to see a lot of Xavier Jones in the preseason. You're going to see a lot of Jake, Jake Funk in the preseason. Jake Funk looks completely healthy, is running hard. I know he's got a little bit of a cult following so far. Uh, Xavier Jones, definitely do not sleep on Xavier Jones. He's got a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of that power that they want. He's he's not really like a, a wide sort of build. Like Daryl Henderson looks like he is bulked up a little bit, which is good because again, injury protect, protection and prevention. Xavier Jones, it's all sort of in his legs, right? So um, it's it's really been interesting to watch their different running styles and 
um, watch them closely in agility drills. They all look really good so far. Um, and then, of course, you've got Otis Anderson and Raymond, Raymond Calais. Those guys are working into the back of the rotation, so you'll probably see a lot of them in the preseason as well. And, and they're still trying to figure out who their kick returner, punt returners are going to be. I, I even saw Jake Funk on a, on a, a kickoff return drill. So, um, you know, this, wow. this is going to be interesting to watch moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they handle the joint practices too, Jordan, because I, I think there's a li- like I totally understand the uh, the mindset of you know you don't want to expose Daryl Henderson to too much, the, putting him in preseason games. You don't want to risk something, but you know this guy hasn't had. I mean, he didn't he didn't really participate in in the bulk of the OTAs either because of uh, you know precaution there. Um, there. There's a little bit of a balance there. You know, you you want to get them some contact. You want to get them in there with the offensive line in live situations. You want to work on those, even the exchanges with, with Matthew Stafford in, in live situations and, and things like that. So I, I know they're able to replicate uh, some of that without having, you know, contact without going to the ground uh, and that sort of thing. But it'd be, you know, maybe the, maybe the joint practices where it's a little bit more controlled sometimes <laughs> Things do get a little out of hand. Tempers flare. You know, guys go to the ground when they're not supposed to. Like those things do happen in in joint practices, just out of you know nature sometimes. But uh, but maybe that's an opportunity to, to work him in a little bit more in those live situations that are that are a little bit more controlled. Because I, I do think there's a there's a value in that. You don't want to go into week one with your guy kind of. You know, just cold, not having been been in any type of those those situations before. That's a little bit dangerous, uh, I, I think. So I, I think the Rams are probably mindful of that and and doing what they can to to work in those other guys. I'm still, you know, we talked about it last week. I'm, I'm sure they're eyeing other rosters also yeah. to see what what situations are like if they can bring in somebody in that you know that last week of, of preseason or whatever it may be to to either add some depth or some competition. I'm not going to be shocked uh, if that happens, but now is a great time to to get a look at some of these other guys that we're talking about and and see how they look in in those uh, you know one versus ones or one versus twos, whatever whatever it may be, and, and against the Cowboys, against the Raiders uh, in those in those controlled situations. So very very interesting. I think very important uh, to to see how that develops. Uh, it sounds like the Rams have the right uh, attitude about that sort of thing. So just, uh, just mentioned the offensive line too, George. Jordan, and, and I know you, you covered this a bit, uh, but the, the the competition at center, such such as it is, uh, doesn't doesn't seem to be much of a competition. But I, the the one thing I wanted to get your opinion on, Jordan, is is how much of this right now is a competition for starting spots, and and how much of it is a competition for roster spots? Uh, because you know we we went through some of these other. Uh, positions last week, especially on defense, where you talk about how many interior linemen are you going to keep? How many uh, edge rushers? How many interior linebackers? And I, I don't know what that number is on the offensive line. Uh, it's usually maybe nine, maybe 10 on, on the high end. So, you know, what does that mean for, for a guy like Brian Allen when, when you've got other options? You've got Austin Corbett, uh, Corbett. you've got, you know, uh, other guys who can play the interior like um, uh, Coleman Shelton or, or Chandler Brewer, uh, you know, Jamil Denby still in there, a guy like that. So, you know, how much of it is is the starting spot and how much of it is just a fight for, for a roster spot at this point? Yeah, it's a good question and probably we'll get a better sense of that when the pads finally do come on or these joint practices start happening. But for now, it definitely seems like, I mean, I mean, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it at this point. Like Austin Corbett's been yeah. the starting center and is going to be the starting center. Like I, I understand the gamesmanship that went into it. I still stand by my Cam Akers and the center question column um, because I certainly – got the impression that it was gamesmanship, but I think there are still schematic questions about the run game that need to be answered um, in terms of, are they going to be able to do some of that gap, like power stuff, or, you know, what are they going to be able to do really with, with Daryl Henderson? So that still is a question that I have Uh, again, not something you can really uh, report on and also not something you can really, uh, know for certain until you see them go against an opponent or you see them uh, actually put the pads on this week. So th- the interesting thing, though, is I think it sort of points to I, I think they'd like really like to keep Brian Allen. 
And um, I, I see them working him into not just second team reps, but also um, right guard reps. And something I noticed more of this year than, than I did last year was some of the guys that they have who are working on position flexibility. And, you know, a lot of times I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that with a with a Joe Noteboom. I did not like when they did that with him because I felt like you you think this guy could maybe be your sort of future left tackle. Get him left tackle reps. Don't flip him around all over the dang line and and you know make him start over essentially every time he he moves positions. So with that, I don't really like it. But with other guys like um, Tremaine Ancrum, for example, I mean this dude's got position flex. Like he could play on the left side. He's he clearly. I mean he's repped everywhere. He could play on the left side, the right side. He could play at guard. He could play at tackle. Um, little, I think a little short for. Uh, he's not short. Like all these people are huge, right? But like it's <laughs> a little bit short. Right. When, when you're comparing someone to like an Andrew Whitworth, for example, like a little bit smaller, um, definitely has the power. So that to me is is interesting because I think that that means that you can work the numbers a little bit better when you do have guys like that at your depth spots specifically. And so that that's something that I've noticed a little bit more of. Um, and it, to me, that sort of points to, hey, they're going to try to maybe keep an extra guy elsewhere because maybe on that defensive line, because they feel like they do have that position flexibility from at least one or two of their guys, uh, whether it's a center guard, whether it's a guard tackle, um, because if you have backups who can do multiple things for you, then obviously it helps your numbers on activation day um, because you can have depth elsewhere that you might be concerned about. And I think defensive line where they are still very much trying to figure out that rotation um, behind the starting three guys, I think that that is maybe something that um, we might be looking at down the road. So it's a, it's a good question, Rich. And it's one that I think is going to be one of the more pertinent um, things to track as as camp continues, um, especially because it would help, you know, at a certain point, a lot of it does become about numbers and depth at certain positions. You know, do for example, they are not going to keep only three linebackers this year. I could almost guarantee that. They only kept three on the, on the 53-man last year, and they will not be doing that this year just because for sheer fact of – you have three guys who have a lot of football experience, and then you also have a draft pick who's really promising, and then you have Traven Howard back. So you at least keep five, <laughs> you know. So I think I think that that changes your numbers elsewhere, right? And so and you still are going to keep a lot of safeties because of how you play your secondary. So that changes your numbers elsewhere. So you want to maybe want to keep an extra guy or two on the defensive line. Well, where can you take away on the other side? You know what I mean? So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. And this offensive line works so far. Um, it's a great question because that is one of the places where they could really help other parts of the roster if they are comfortable with the guys that they have um, as depth. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I, I also look at, it's, it's such a good point, Jordan, about it. You know, did they – the Rams had such a focus under Aaron Cromer, the previous offensive line coach, about that that versatility, and and I totally get it. I'm not looking in hindsight and saying that was a bad idea, but it, it couldn't have been easy for a guy like Brian Allen coming in or Joe Noteboom coming in. I mean, these are guys who they asked to be kind of starters very early in their in their NFL careers, and at the same time, they were asking them to kind of cross train at, at different positions. And I don't know whether uh, that was necessarily the best for for their development. Maybe it pays off down the line, uh, but it, it did maybe didn't put them in the best spots early on in, in their career. Maybe they would disagree with that. I I, I don't know, but uh, just seems to me as, a, as an outsider that that probably wasn't wasn't the best thing uh, in, in terms of their comfort level and that sort of thing. Uh, one thing I'm watching here, Jordan, is is maybe who do they trust at tackle? And and I think that's still kind of an open question for me. I mean, obviously, you've got Andrew Whitworth, who's going to be turning 40 this year, and Rob Havenstein on the other side. Those are clearly your two tackles. But but who do you trust behind them? What what happens if if something happens there? Do you trust a Joe Noteboom to step in as, as he did at times uh, last year or the past couple of years? Uh, do you trust a Bobby Evans? Do you do you trust David Edwards to move over? Do you trust Tremaine Ancrum at this point to to fill some of that spot? So I, I, to me that that's a big part of it too. Is is if you do you know start start war gaming those worst case scenarios if you do have some injuries and and you have to move guys around. Uh, 
who do you trust? Who's going to put the uh, who's going to fill those spots if you need them to? And based on that, how many do you do you need to keep? Can you keep eight? Right. Uh, does it does it have to go to nine? Does it have to go to ten? Depending on how you you feel about some of these guys. So um, it's fascinating to me. I, I think it's 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 really important. But uh, yeah, uh, again, we'll, we'll we'll see that kind of. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure we won't see Andrew Whitworth in the preseason no. <laughs> either. Um, so we'll, I'm sure we'll get a plenty, plenty of looks at uh, who fills that spot or maybe who rotates uh, into that spot. So, uh, yeah, real, really interesting stuff, Jordan. Uh, again, everybody should check out that uh, column you wrote. Uh, today, uh, the risers and fallers. I know it's something that you're going to be tracking on a weekly basis as we get into the uh, uh, closer to the to the season opener. But uh, Jordan, what what are you going to be looking at this this week? Uh, again, we're we're building toward that uh, toward the joint practice uh, with the Cowboys, which will be great mm-hmm. to watch. Always, those are those are fantastic. Uh, but but you, you've told us a lot about uh, you know the past week. What what are you going to be looking at here? Where where who are you going to be following around this week to see uh, to see what's what's going on? Any particular position group? Any particular player who you who you going to keep your eye on over the over the next few days here? Yeah, for sure. The quarterbacks are doing different activation drills. Remember how much I was obsessed with the activation drills last year because it seemed like Kevin O'Connell <laughs> was trying to uh, basically hold on to the rope attached to the car as the car was going over the cliff. Like <laughs> that's basically <laughs> what Kevin O'Connell's job was last year. And so, uh, you know, he, he seems like he's enjoying himself out there so far. There's uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of new drills and a lot of different things that are specifically designed to uh, stress a quarterback when he is either working uh, within a pocket that is a tighter space than normal or when he has to, let's say, flush out of the pocket or reset in certain ways. And Kevin, it's funny, like you'll you'll just see him like throw a big pad like right through the middle of a quarterback's pocket <laughs> and the quarterback has to like duck, dive, dip, dive and dodge. The, right. the the giant like trapezoid pad that's <laughs> flying toward him and then <laughs> reset and then get the ball downfield and all that. So I'll, I'll probably be following those guys around a little bit. Kevin O'Connell will speak with us this week. So I'm sure he will be, um, I'm sure my questions will be annoying. <laughs> and and uh, no, he's great. He handles those pretty well. Um, also love watching Raheem Morris. Um, just so much energy. I just, I really appreciate the energy that he brings. Um, he knows how to approach guys where they're at, like whatever, however you need to be motivated. Like if you need someone to talk smack to you to be motivated, Raheem Morris will be that guy. If you need someone to hug you, pat you on the back to be motivated, Raheem Morris will also be that guy. If you need someone to, to yell at you, if you need someone to, um, be kind to you, you know, he, he just knows. And I think it's really a a special talent that he has as a coach. So that's been fun to watch. Um, one of my favorite moments this last week, and I'm always looking for these little things and these little moments, a couple, couple ones I'll rattle off really quick before we get out of here, Rich. Um, cause obviously I'll be watching what happens, all this stuff. We might have to reset everything once the pads go on. I mean, I'm just excited. That's this week. And, and it's, it, we're in the dog days now. This is when you've got, you're allowed to have two a days. You're starting to up the physical activity and, um, you're escalating into that joint practice with the Cowboys, uh, early, you know, I think it's what early next week. Uh, maybe this, I think eh, this weekend actually is when it is. So, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting and, and fun to watch. But on um, on a sort of small level, um, these little moments I really like. Leonard Floyd gives his glove to a kid who yells his name the entire practice. Like this kid was determined. Leonard was kind of like trying to keep a straight face talking about it in the scrum uh, yesterday because or two days ago because he was like, man, that kid was determined. And he turns around and throws him his glove because fans can't have contact with players. So he throws the kid his glove and then practices the entire rest of the day with only one glove. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, I saw a moment between Coach Evero and Nick Scott where Nick Scott was mad at himself for something. Um, wasn't sure if it was a missed call, a misplay. Uh, don't I don't know the call, so I'm not going to you know bash the player at all. But um, Nick was, was pretty mad at himself and kind of was, after he came off the field, kind of stood off to the side a little bit and, you know, had his head down. And, and uh, Coach Evero came over and – you know, put his arm around him and talked him up. And like, I was right behind him, um, you know, not going to share what was said, but it was just like one of the coolest things I've seen in a, in a while. I mean, the, 
Evero is a special coach. Um, Rams were lucky to keep him another year. It's just those little moments. I just love seeing those things. That's something I'm going to keep tracking through camp because I think that can really tell us who these guys will be, especially down the stretch when things get hard. Um, and so far, just a really cool group to watch and and you know take notes on and observe. And um, had a, had a blast so far, Rich. The days are long. It's warm out there, but but it really is fun, and, and you get to learn a lot. So I hope uh, any anybody who has the opportunity to go out, I know as things are currently scheduled, and and they can they can always change. But uh, the Rams have those open practices down there in Irvine uh, this Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. They get going at about three or four o'clock. You can you can find all the information uh, online. But uh, definitely encourage people to go down there if if they can. If not. Jordan has you covered every day, all day, on Twitter, at Jordan Rodrigue, and of course, through all of her great coverage at The Athletic on our app and on our website. And of course, if you sign up either uh, through one of Jordan's stories or through our 11 personnel link at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, you get Jordan's favorite thing in the whole world, which is what? A discount. You get a great deal. My favorite thing in the entire world. And yeah, guys, we're running that 50% off for new subscribers special through August 9th. So that'll cover you you know, for obviously the entire training camp, and then you'll be ready to go for the preseason. Um, got some really, really fun projects coming up. Uh, currently a little bit overwhelmed, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I think that it's just going to be so much fun um, to sort of show you guys what I've been working on this summer um, and then to also kind of get some of these cool camp pieces out and rolling. So definitely you do not want to miss those. Um, and, you know, Rich and I just really appreciate you guys. We're back on our full schedule. As you'll note, we do have this up on a Monday. So we are ba- we are back on it. Um and we will we will find you know whatever Wi-Fi we can out here uh, in order. I'll, I'll steal someone's Wi-Fi at their house in, in Orange County uh, <laughs> if it means getting this podcast up. So really appreciate you guys. Keep leaving those reviews and five star ratings. You know we're a little bit biased. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. You can find Rich Hammond on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. As usual, we appreciate you and see you guys next week. Yeah.